In today's podcast, we're going to finish up uh, this idea of the garden warfare in Genesis chapter 3, looking at how Satan um, does spiritual warfare uh, with Adam and Eve and how that that continues even to today. And we'll read this passage again, and then we'll finish up looking at some of these ideas. In Genesis chapter 3, in verse 1, it says, Now the serpent was the most cunning of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you can't eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden, but about the fruit of the middle, uh, but about the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, God said, You must not eat it or touch it, or you will die. No, you will not die, the serpent said to the woman. In fact, God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So we've been looking at this idea of Satan and the spiritual warfare that he is actually coming against Adam and Eve with. And how that spiritual warfare is maybe a little bit different than what we had thought in our own mind. Oftentimes, I think we think spiritual warfare is about having a bad day or all these horrible things. But spiritual warfare is very cunning. And I think that's what we've been trying to show that Satan is trying to do is to um, cause our view of God to be disintegrated so much to the point that we don't have any firm foundation to stand on, which makes us fall even more easily. So we've been looking at the idea of the things that Satan has been doing, and the two that really popped up were, number one, he was questioning God's love and God's, two, God's authority. And so uh, by doing that, when he challenges God's authority and challenges God's love, it has a wide realm of ramifications in that it causes the Bible to become invalid. It because uh, it causes us to lose our foundation. It causes us to um, begin to doubt everything about God. So, not only was Satan questioning God's authority, as we looked at in the last one, <coughs> excuse me, but he is questioning God's love as well. So, how is Satan questioning God's love in this uh, spiritual warfare account with Adam and Eve? First, by removing discipline. Now, that may be something that we really don't think about or even see in this passage. But let's look at this. God created this garden and gave Adam and Eve absolutely everything that they would want. However, there was one tree in the garden that God said, don't eat of this tree. God gave them the ability to have everything other than that tree. But if they ate of that tree, there would be consequences. Now, the Bible tells us the Lord chastens those in whom he loves. And here's an important statement. Having consequences doesn't mean that love isn't present. See, one of the things that we struggle with, and when I say we, I'm talking about people, that we struggle with in today's society is that we don't like consequences. As a matter of fact, I think I could take it a step further as many of us don't even believe in consequences. We see that based off of the way people act. They think they can just do and say whatever they want and they're not worried about consequences. They're not worried about the ramifications of things. What they do is what they want to do and 
that's it. All you have to do is get on social media and look at what people say and how that they respond to certain things. They don't believe in consequences. They can do and say whatever they want. The lack of consequences is a scary thing that we're dealing with right now. Having consequences doesn't mean that love isn't present. As a matter of fact, it's the opposite. Consequences to bad decisions show love. What it does is that level of discipline means I love you enough to help you go or point you in the right direction. What God is telling if you want to say this, Adam and Eve, by doing this, is I've created this for you. Now, if you go and you make this decision to do what I've told you not to do, there will be consequences to it. But I love you enough to tell you that, even beforehand. And I love you enough that if you do make those bad decisions, that there's going to be consequences to it. Because I want you to understand that making bad choices is not okay. Now, here's the thing. I'm not saying that all of us are going to make perfect decisions and we're never going to make bad decisions. Every one of us are going to make bad decisions. It's how we deal with the consequences of those bad decisions that's so important. What are we going to do with it? Are we going to understand the consequences to those bad decisions and rise from that situation becoming a better person, making better decisions, or are we going to look at it and throw our fist in the air and uh, begin to go down this path of making bad decisions? Well, a lot of that's based on how we handle the consequences. And so discipline and consequences actually show love because you care enough to warn someone of the dangers and you care enough not to have them to continue down that same path. See, by Satan removing the consequences and saying, you will not surely die, he was trying to actually remove God's love. And I know that it's hard sometimes for us to see that by saying that, how is God's love in the consequences? See, God established this garden for them to be able to have everything that they needed. And you could probably say even a lot of what they wanted. They would never have noticed. Well, I'll rephrase that. I'm not going to say they would never have noticed. But they weren't paying attention to that tree till Satan brought their attention to it. See, what Satan is going to do in spiritual warfare is he is going to bring your attention to what you don't have and make you think that God doesn't love you because of that. He's never going to show you all the things that you do have. Here's here's what I'm saying. The majority of followers of Christ spend more time praying for what they don't have than thanking God for what they do. They spend more time praying for all of the blessings that they don't have, all of the finances, all of the resources, all of the fill in the blank, when very rarely do they spend great quantities of time thanking God for their salvation, thanking God for the health that they have, thanking God for their family, thanking God for all of the blessings that they do have. See, what Satan tries to do on a regular basis is he constantly is making us aware of what other people have and reminding us that we don't have it. 
He wants us to be looking around our garden of all of the things we don't have and never pay attention to all of the great things we do. There was nothing about that tree that Adam and Eve needed that they didn't already have within the garden. They had everything that they needed. But in that moment, Satan caused them to recognize what one tree in the garden they weren't able to eat from. And by doing that, he got their focus off of everything that they already had. See, the the, the many reasons why followers of Christ struggle is because we spend more time focusing on what we don't have. And what happens is Satan gets us down into that same repetitious mindset of, well, Joe over there has this. You don't. God must love him more. You don't have a new car. You work just as hard as, you know, Sally over there. But Sally seems like she has a new car every two two months. Why in the world don't you? God doesn't love you as much as he does Sally. The problem is, is not about the thing. It's about understanding the blessings that we already have. What we don't realize is Sally may be so in debt over there that, that she's up to her neck in debt because she's constantly going out and doing all of these different things, yet you don't have any debt. And God has blessed you mightily. And see, what we don't, we, we don't pay attention to those kind of things. All we do is we fall prey to what Satan is telling us, and that is you don't have these kind of things. And that's the spiritual warfare that Satan wants to get you in because if he can do that, if he can constantly show you what you don't have, he can make you question God's love for you consistently. He makes us look at all of these things and say, well, God doesn't love me as much as he does so-and-so, or God's not blessing me as much. If you have salvation, you have more than anyone in this world could ever have. But he doesn't want you to be reminded of the salvation that you have. He doesn't want you to be reminded of the cross. That's why I tell people all the time, we should never get up from the foot of the cross because it reminds us of all that we have in Christ. So the second thing that Satan does is by making us think, the second thing he does by making us question God's love is to make us think that God's holding out on us or that God's holding back on us. See, the second part of Satan's statement was trying to convince Eve that God hadn't given her the best, that he was holding out and that he could give her so much more. I want you to think about this. This is a really bad example, but this is just something I can come up with quick. Eve is sitting over here and she's got $100,000 in the bank. She's got $100,000 in the bank. But all of a sudden she finds that $100 bill laying over there. And there's something that's just so significant about that $100 bill she don't have. She doesn't. She's more concerned about that $100 bill than she is that $100,000 she has in the bank. That's what Satan is making her do here with the whole entire garden compared to that one tree. Satan is looking at Eve and saying, that one tree that God said you can't eat from is better than everything else that you possibly have. And it got her mind so focused on that one tree that she couldn't think of all of the other things in the garden that she had. And oh, by the way, I haven't even mentioned the most important thing. And that was God's presence. 
They were able, her and Adam were able to walk with God daily. They were able to be with God's presence on a regular basis. And they took that for granted. See, the same way that we do. We are able to spend as much time with God as we want to in prayer. We're able to spend as much time as we want to with God and His Word. But we spend more time grumbling and griping about what we don't have than we are in the Word and we are in prayer thanking God for what we do have. I'll give you a perfect example. The majority of people, I'll just tell you, for, for instance, me, and I know as a pastor, maybe it's more than what most people have, but I have probably at least 15 to 20 copies of God's Word sitting around my house. Have you ever watched the video of the underground church in China when they receive a Bible for the very first time? It is something that will just rip your heart out. Seeing them react to getting a copy of God's Word for the very first time, knowing that I have probably 15 to 20 copies of God's Word sitting around my house, and oftentimes I just take it for granted. That's the idea of this garden here. Adam and Eve should have reacted to the garden the same way that these people in the underground church in China react to getting a copy of God's Word, but they had taken it so for granted. They had taken God's presence so for granted and all that they had in the garden so for granted that they focused on that one tree they didn't have. The same way that I do as well. I, I take so for granted all of the things that God has blessed me with, and I focus on the couple things that I don't have. And when that happens, I am fallen prey to the tactics of spiritual warfare that the enemy pulls on us on a regular basis. And again, it's not this grandiose, sinful idea that Satan is trying to put at us. He's just trying to make me question God's love. And that's how he gets in and gets a hold in our lives. See, what we don't realize is that God was actually protecting Adam and Eve by them not knowing evil. He was protecting Adam and Eve from that by saying, don't eat of that tree. See, oftentimes, the things that we're praying for, God is actually protecting us from it by not giving it to us. Because we think, oh, if I could just have that, I would be happy. No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't be happy if you had that because you're not even happy enough with Jesus right now. If Jesus is not enough, I promise you that new car, that new house, or that job, or that whatever is not going to fulfill you. If Jesus can't fulfill you, nothing can. And so what happens is Satan causes us to sit down and think that if I just had that, I would be happy. No, you're not. And no, you wouldn't. We've got to be happy enough with Jesus. See, they were living in paradise, walking with God daily, and the only thing evil does is bring rejection and rebellion against God. They had everything they needed by walking with Jesus on a daily basis, and that wasn't even sufficient for them. The evil that God was protecting them from just brings rejection and rebellion against God. See, God wasn't preventing them from knowing evil because they had the free will to choose and eat from that tree. But God had provided so much good that there was no reason to pursue the evil. How does that translate into me today or, or to you today? 
What God has done is He has provided so much in His Son, Jesus, that I have need of nothing else. But what happens is I begin to think about all of these things I don't have. I begin to think about all of these things that God is keeping from me. And I begin to think that God doesn't love me. I begin to think that God doesn't care about me. I begin to start looking at Joe and Sally over here and think that God loves them so much more because they have so much more. When in all reality, God's love isn't based on what He gives me. God's love is based on His arms outstretched at Calvary. But see, going back to what we said in the last podcast, this consumer Christian mentality of... <clears throat> how much God gives me and how much God blesses me with. And it's all about how much God answers my prayer. That, that's, that's the wrong mindset that we have. That is such the wrong mindset. What we've done is we've twisted Scripture and Satan has used so many people and, and preachers to twist Scripture into believing those kind of things that now that's what we view God as. We view God as a vending machine. That if He just gives me all these things, I'll be happy. When in, in all reality, that's not what the Christian life is based on. See, we don't know how long that they had lived in the garden before this encounter with Satan. We don't. We don't have a timeline of saying that Adam and Eve lived in the garden for two days or 200 years before this encounter with Satan. But what we can deduce from Scripture is this, is apparently they had never really considered this tree or even eaten from this tree till they were confronted with it from Satan. What I want us to understand is this, is oftentimes we never pay attention to what we don't have until we listen to the enemy telling us. And if we're honest with ourselves, the majority of the things that the enemy shows us that we don't have are never really going to bless our lives overly. There's nothing about this tree. If you were to sit down with Adam and Eve right now and ask them, was eating from that tree worth it? I think we know the answer. See, oftentimes the things that the enemy presents to us that we're without, that we think we'd so desperately need, when we get them, they're not what we thought they were. They're actually more of a burden than they were ever a blessing. And so what happens from it is, yeah, maybe we got what we asked for. But now there's all kinds of problems that come with it. And we lost the beauty of what we had before. See, a lot of times just the presence of our Savior, the presence of Jesus is, is really enough. But then the enemy comes along and he doesn't want us to be in the presence of Jesus. He doesn't. He doesn't want us to just be satisfied, to be content. You know, the Bible tells us godliness with contentment is great gain. So many of us are not content where we're at. So many of us are not content with just being in the presence of the Lord. We've got to have all these other things that come along with it. But if we're honest with ourselves, once we get those things, we actually lose more and more of our contentment. See, what spiritual warfare is teaching us as we go through 
this process that Scripture shows us. Spiritual warfare is not these big gory battles that take place out there to where we're constantly falling prey to these outlandish sins. Spiritual warfare is very intentional. It's almost even quiet to where it doesn't seem like it's a big deal. Spiritual warfare is these seemingly harmless thoughts that go through our our minds that we don't really give a whole lot of attention to. We don't think it's, it's a warning sign. It's these thoughts that Satan brings to our head that makes us doubt, that makes us question, that makes us wonder if God really loves us, if God really cares about us. Is God really in control? It's not about the fact that you had a horrible day today. It's not about the fact of that we've made spiritual warfare out and to be something that it's not at all. Satan doesn't want you to be or spend time with Jesus. He will do everything he can to keep you from doing that, and he will do everything he can to make you question everything about God. Because the more time you spend with Jesus, the less effective his spiritual warfare tactics are against you. The less time you spend with Jesus, the more effective they are. See, if he can keep you from being in the Word, if he can keep you from being in prayer, if he can keep you from being content with where you're at, his tactics become effective. But the more time you spend with God, the more content you are with Jesus, the more time you spend in prayer the more easy it is to recognize the tactics of the enemy. So what we're going to do is in our next podcast, we're going to go to the book of Job. And I believe that we've really misunderstood the book of Job. I believe that oftentimes we began to look at Job and make him the focus of the book. Job is not the focus of the book of Job. God is. And I think we're going to look at that. We're going to see that. And we're going to understand how that spiritual warfare is way bigger than us. I think we're going to look at uh, the tactics that the enemy uses in the book of Job. And we're going to be able to see a lot of those. And we're going to get a different perspective of spiritual warfare. Just like I think we have here with the book of Genesis. So I encourage you to read Job chapter 1 and chapter 2. As we begin to get into the story of Job. And sit down and write some thoughts out. Sit down and begin to try to look at it a little differently. Rather than just making sure that Job is the center focus of it, start looking at it from the perspective that God is the center and the focus of the book of Job. I pray you go out and share the gospel with somebody today. Share the word of God with somebody today. Be an encouragement to somebody today. And most of all, if you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, I pray that you would understand that the Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every person is. It's not about being good. It's not about being bad. It's about being dead or alive. We're either dead in our sins or we're made alive in Jesus. And I encourage you to find a pastor, find a Christian friend, find someone that you know is a follower of Christ and talk to them today about what it means to be saved, what it means to repent of your sins and ask Jesus to be Lord of your life. I encourage you to send me a message and I'll talk with you about it. 
I look forward to our next podcast together, and I pray that if this has encouraged you somehow, share it with somebody. Share the podcast with them, um, so that way we can continue to um, get the message of Jesus out there uh, to as many uh, that maybe uh, are struggling or need to hear it today. And I pray that you have a blessed day. We look forward to our next podcast together.